Actually, you know what, Joey? I am at the point where I tell other people to get into it. Yes! <laughs> at a party. We were talking about Andor. And I was like, have you seen the animated stuff? You live long enough to either you die a hero <laughs> or you become a Clone Wars fan. <laughs> oh my God. We got to use that line somewhere. to Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey and I'm here again with Royish Good Looks. Hi, Royce. Hey, Joey. Hello, podcast. <laughs> How's it going? It's going real good. I'm excited to talk animation. Me too. You know, I, you know, I always am. This is a Pandora's box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, since a few episodes ago when we talked about Tales of the Jedi... You reminded me how much I love talking at people about Star Wars animation. So <laughs> I thought we'd get back here and do it again. Let's do it. Hooray. <laughs> you know what, listeners? It's been a while since I've done this. So please, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out with your feelings. You can find us on any social media. Just search Krypton to Alderaan. You can pew pew us an email at Krypton to Alderaan at gmail.com. Or you could leave us a review wherever you're listening. You could also. Tell people about our show if you'd think mm. that they would like our show. Mm. That would be great. You know, a little boost in the numbers would be really super swell right about now. Ring in the new year the right way. Or just a retweet, you know? You don't have to come up with your own tweet. Yeah. Just a retweet. <laughs> Not even a quote tweet. Yeah. And if it comes up in casual conversation off of Twitter, <laughs> you could just say exactly the same things that I, you don't have to come up with your own stuff is what we're trying to say. Just say, hey, we're a show. Here's a podcast. They talk about all kinds of nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. I think you would dig it. Uh, here's a link and pew pew them an email. There you go. <laughs> Bada boom. All right. So we are here to talk about season one of The Bad Batch. We did a little Bad Batch episode that kind of got derailed about a year ago. And in anticipation of the second season of the show coming, we wanted to do a little sort of revisit and give some of our opinions on the show and maybe some stuff about what we'd like to see in season two. What do you think about that, Royce? It's coming up. It's going to be in like a week or two. Like before we know it, it'll be here and we'll be in the middle of it and we'll be scratching our heads of, ah, crap, we got to review these episodes before <laughs> the next episode. Yes, I, I expect <laughs> that my reaction will be less, ah, crap, and more like, <laughs> oh, goody. But fair enough. <laughs> maybe I should make that sound more enthusiastic. Oh, goody. I get to review this episode. Last time we sat down to talk about this stuff, Royce, we discussed our history, I guess mainly your history with Star Wars animation. I mean, mm. everyone knows my history who's listened to this. <laughs> that I've beaten it to death at this point. But I think that since then, your history, your uh, uh, relationship with Star Wars animation has changed. It's blossomed. Yes. <laughs> and we've had a lot more, I think, since then, you know, not including the end of Bad Batch, since we talked about this last time, we've had Visions and Tales of the Jedi, two what I would consider to be great animated Star Wars things. Let's talk about how your relationship with 
Star Wars animation has blossomed since our last conversation. Yeah. I, well, I don't remember when Visions came out. It's sometime in 2021, right? Because I did a podcast episode about it. So mm. I had binged Visions. At some point, I, I binged Rebels. I don't remember when any of this happened. What? <laughs> where does the time go? Well, I binged all of Rebels. Nice. And I liked Rebels. I like that that era of Star Wars in general. The like X-Wings and TIE Fighters. I feel like that's like bare bones Star Wars to me. <laughs> and that's there's a lot of that I feel like that that itch scratched in uh-huh. in Rebels or that scratch itched, whichever you prefer. And I actually revisited a Visions episode the other day. I, I went and rewatched the ninth Jedi, the one where uh, they're building the lightsabers oh, and yeah. getting the lightsabers out. Because I think that was one of our more favorite ones. And I just had some time. I was like, I'm going to go back and watch that again because that was a fun ride. Of course, Tales of the Jedi, which we talked about a few episodes ago. So like slowly but surely the animation is creeping into my Star Wars like vernacular, you know? I don't think I'm at the point where I like, actually, you know what, Joey? I am at the point where I tell other people to get yes! into it. <laughs> I literally was talking to, uh, to Russ's father-in-law at a party. We were talking about Andor. And I was like, have you seen the animated stuff? You, you live long enough to either you die a hero <laughs> or you become a Clone Wars fan. <laughs> oh my God, that's a great... <laughs> That, that We got to use that line somewhere. I forget what he had mentioned, but it, there was something that I was like, oh, you have to watch, you know, the, the bonus content, the mm-hmm. animated stuff. But I'm now, I feel like I'm getting to that point where like I speak the animated language. I'm still way behind on Clone Wars. But, you know, I'm over the clunky animation style. Like that doesn't bug me anymore. I think the animation looks great now. So that's not really like a barrier to entry. Sure. Maybe it would be if I go back for the earlier Clone Wars. Yeah. But I think they look great now. We've talked about the sound effects and the music being great. So I'm in, you know, I'm excited for this next season of Bad Batch as a regular show rather than just like it's Obi-Wan, live action Obi-Wan and Ewan McGregor's back. Like, no, duh, you're going to watch that. Mm. But I feel that way with with Bad Batch now, you know, or if they did more Tales of the Jedi, I'm just in now by default. Wow. One of us. And your journey to the dark side will be complete. <laughs> You've beaten out the stigma that is that surrounds animation for some reason. And that's great. And you loved Rebels. That's also great. We should talk more about Rebels. But we're not here to talk about Rebels. We're here to talk about the Bad Batch. I am super stoked that you are in and that you're like, a topic of conversation at a party is telling someone to watch animated Star Wars because regardless of where I am or who I'm speaking to, literally, that's always where the conversation comes back to. And then depending on how much I've had to drink, I wake up the next morning and ask Lorelai if that was embarrassing. Um, But I'm curious if your deeper dive into Star Wars animation, I know you said like you're all in with Bad Batch season two. Do you feel differently about the first season of Bad Batch? I guess I should say. Have you revisited the Bad Batch season one at all? <laughs> let's let's start there. I did watch a season one recap on YouTube this morning in okay. preparation for this show. If that counts, I've not formally rewatched any episodes though. But I did spend a lot of time rewatching select scenes <laughs> as I was cutting together <laughs> the Bad Batch song video. If that counts, which that always like recontextualizes things when I write songs about a certain era or a certain plot point or certain movie or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you get to see like granular things. There's a lot of scenes of the Bad Batch just running around. I I probably have like three hours of timeline 
where I found all the scenes of them running. Because you need exciting running scenes when you're writing a pop punk banger. <laughs> but no, I didn't rewatch any episodes proper though. Mm. So there's a lot of little clips that I remember through editing. Um, and there's one quote that I pulled because I have a whole notes app. I was telling you before we were recording. I had a whole notes app when I binged the series of like all my favorite scenes and stuff. Because I knew I was going to write a song about this. It's, come on, this is like, it's what I do for a living. So yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes though, going back through that, which I think is what kind of really inspired a lot of the Bad Batch song writing for me. And it's really like the case for the whole series. I think it's episode 12. This is around the time where they meet up with Hera. Hunter tells Omega, it's a big galaxy. We can't put ourselves on the line every time someone's in trouble. And Omega says, why not? Isn't that what soldiers do? Mm. And that's like, that's the Bad Batch, man. Like they're always going back, you know? They always are picking up their lost brethren or helping out people in need. But that always stuck out to me as, a, as an interesting moment because Omega is like the heart and soul of the Bad Batch, you know? If there's anything I took away from it, it's her being this young child, never seeing the universe or the galaxy before, you know, only being on Camino and the clones like escaping Camino, like they don't want to be there. And they've seen the rest of the world in the war, but Omega hasn't. And that's such an interesting colliding of worlds. And she's so pure and they're so hardened soldiers. It's like a perfect dynamic. Yeah. So long winded answer. I didn't rewatch any of it, but like I like that ethos. So mm -hmm. I'm in for more of that. Yeah, I love when they first take Omega off of Kamino and they're in like hyperspace and you could see it in Omega's eyes. Mm. And then they, they land somewhere. She gets off the ship for the first time on another planet. And it's very much that The Force Awakens with Rey. With mm -hmm. the, the like, she's with Han Solo, her new sort of found family at that point, very early. But she says, you know, I never knew there was so much green in the whole galaxy. Right. And it's like, that's that's part of the poetry that makes Star Wars. But it certainly was the first thing I thought of with that scene with Omega. But I'm really glad that you brought up that line or that dialogue between Omega and Hunter. Because I think I love the Clone Wars. And I think what the Bad Batch, especially upon revisiting some of the Bad Batch... A lot of the thesis of this show seems to be, for me, which I love, is defining the answer to the question that was asked in The Clone Wars. Which, so the first time we meet Cut Laquane, which is like the clone deserter that Hunter then goes to. He's like one a of the farmer? First, yes. The first time we meet that clone in The Clone Wars, Rex meets him and he's a deserter and Rex is going to turn him in and he kind of educates Rex. And that's when, like, again, the thesis of the Clone Wars came to light, in my opinion, of why are they fighting this war and what do soldiers who are created for war do when the war is over? And that, from that point in the Clone Wars, that kind of became the theme of, like, especially the clone episodes. Uh, so from that point on till the end of the series, it was very, like, I don't know, that had a very emotional tie and a very, like, powerful tie to the show. And I think that with that conversation between Hunter and Omega in The Bad Batch, along with some other moments, that's defining the answer to that question, which I love. Like, Saw Gerrera in one of the first episodes says, you can either adapt and survive or die in the past. And that was my first like direct link 
to that thesis that I interpret from the Clone Wars. What the what the series does really well so far is address that question and how to move beyond it in the sequel to the Clone Wars show, which I love, which I would tell you to go watch and would tell anyone listening who hasn't <laughs> seen it to go watch because it's wonderful. It is seven seasons long, so it's a bit to chew on, but it's really good and is not just like, you know, for kids. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate saying that about animation because I feel like it shouldn't have to be said anymore because there's a lot of great animation. And just to go on a short little tangent here, you know, when you watch a show as a kid and then you grow up and you go back to watch that show and you pick so much more up from it, like all the adult themes, like watching The Simpsons when I was eight Mm. is much Mm. different than watching those same episodes of The Simpsons now. It's very much that, except you don't have that initial part you just have the like you're a smart enough adult to understand the adult themes part so it's very good and i recommend it do you have any other moments you recall or lines or themes from the show that you really picked up on i mean there's a lot of quotes about like you know doing the right thing That's like a recurring theme. You know, they're in trouble and someone needs their help and they have to decide whether or not they're going to go back. You know, that is like, that's like almost every episode. Like aside from that though, like there's also the cat and mouse aspect of the Bad Batch of like Crosshair is trying to find them and bring them in. Like that's sort of the overall theme of that first season. And, you know, eventually he brings them back to Camino and they all have the final, final battle and like escape together, but split up again. Kind of interesting, like the show, the season ends like exactly where it began, sort of, except that there's obviously been a lot of development in between. But like, you could go back and just redo the entire season. That's probably exactly why they designed it like that. They could go on another set of random adventures with some overarching theme in the background. But I don't want to see as much of that cat and mouse stuff Mm. going into season two. Like, I'd like to see that bigger plot of like, what are they doing in that mountain, you know? what's uh, Nala say or whatever? Like, what are the Camino, the surviving Caminoans doing? Is there cloning going on? What's the deal? You know, like, let's dive deeper into the lore and the canon and maybe a little less of the villain of the wiki stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, there was the one episode where they took, they were, uh, those episodes kind of lose me a little bit. You know, before recording, we were talking about how it's a 16-episode season. You know, you don't get to 16 episodes without maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of fluff dealing with the pikes and they had to like steal the spice or whatever Sure. in, in between, you know? It's kind of interesting. We we're like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. But obviously, then you're going to have to deal with, you know, the cryptos or the bug boys or whatever villain of the weeks <laughs> that you're going to get. You know, uh, thinking back, I really love that episode, though, I, because I really love Wrecker and he... He was just so great in that episode. He was really great in, in all the episodes. But that's an interesting point. I want to... So you would like less of the cat and mouse kind of villain of the week stuff. What about something that people really harped on for the first season was all the cameos in the show? I'm curious what your thoughts on that are or or who you would like to see have a cameo in the second season. I remember it being discussed a lot during the first season, people just saying it's a cameo fest. Have you watched a Star Wars? <laughs> That's very true. With with the exception of like visions and and stuff like that. But also like seeing cameos never took me out of it. It wasn't like, ah, you know, every time someone known came into the frame, 
it felt very well done to me. Cad Bane, Hera, maybe a little less with Hera, but it like pays off. It's like a, it's an arc of the show for Hera and Ryloth and her family. It never took me out of the show. I'm curious if, especially back then, you had not watched Rebels or anything like that. I guess, did that, did that take you out of the show? Did it impact you that way? Yeah, I don't think I would even noticed at the time, other than being like, I, I definitely saw Cad Bane in, you know, Clone Wars randomly or whatever. I don't think I knew Fennec Shand, mm-hmm. but, or maybe I did because she was in Mandalorian she was in Mando, yeah. briefly. But I, I don't know if I even made those connections, but uh, rewatching that uh, season recap today, I was like, oh yeah, Fennec Shand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like Boba Fett's right-hand man. Uh, no, it didn't take me out of it. And I think after watching Rebels, of course, like, yeah, they tie together. That's the whole point of it. You mm-hmm. know, like Rebels is right after Bad Batch. And so, of course, there's like crossover and Bad Batch is right after Clone Wars. So, of course, like Rex is there. Like I, Rex has a pretty badass reveal from what I recall, right? He had like a hood up and they're oh, like, yeah. who's that guy in the corner there? And then you're like, you know, cue the dramatic reveal. I like that. And I think it works for the animated genre, you know, like, if anything is going to be campy, it should be the cartoons. Come on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone you would like to see them do that with in uh, season two? I guess it's really hard to tell at this point. Well, and this is also during kind of like the Andor era, right? So like, mm. I mean, there's so many people that could pop up, you know? Like, I guess Bail Organa was, was he, he was in the Bad Batch or no? I got to look this up. No, that sounds more like a Rebels thing, maybe. But he could be there, you know, like anyone that's in between the between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, like could pop up Thrawn. I don't know. Like, I guess I don't really have any uh, wish list people, but go ahead, throw them in. Let's tie some (laughs) stuff together. Because it starts immediately after the Clone Wars. So that's like 19 BBY or whatever. So maybe like 13 or 14 years before Andor. Oh, yeah, because Andor is, yeah, five. Okay, so those... Those eras don't really line up, I guess. Right. I don't know. They could go to like Fest or what? what's the actual planet he's from? Oh, Canari. Canari. They could go to Canari and we could... Oh, they that could would go be to Canari. Cool. That would be and cool. And Marva or B2E. Like, I don't know, you know? Well, it would be cool to maybe see Canari before... That would probably be a cool thing for them to do is like show us what Canari was before the Empire did whatever they did. That might be in the same timeline because of how young Cass is in those flashbacks. In Andor, someone calls it an imperial mining facility. So that to me suggests that it happened after Order 66, the devastation on Canari. So that might be a cool thing. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Or that where Obi-Wan and Leia go to hide out and there's the path or whatever. Like that's the same era, you know? It would be cool to see the path, the beginnings of the path. I, okay, I don't know. Like, Jedi stuff, though, doesn't really seem like that ties in thematically. Mm-hmm. But I guess you're like, where could they go? Those other planets, and that could lead to right. loose connections to other things, maybe not directly. So I'm glad you brought it up because when we got that path storyline in Obi-Wan, I was thinking how cool it would be if we saw the beginning of the path start with the Bad Batch themselves, or at mm. least start in the show. Because we see Gunji from, oh, right. who's a you know youngling in the Clone Wars, who survives Order sixty six, the Wookiee Jedi, and we see we see them in the trailer for the Bad Batch season two. So I thought it would be really cool to see like the Bad Batch setting up some kind of maybe safe route or underground railroad yeah. type thing for Jedi who need help. 
So that would be a really cool tie-in too. Yep, I take I take it back. There's a lightsaber in the the trailer. Yes, so and there there will be a Jedi <laughs> and and a cool Jedi and a super cool lightsaber. <laughs> well, and Caleb Doom was in Episode One. Yeah, so like that's always I guess been on the cusp. You know, like they could always go back to being like, what about those Jedi? They were pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. They might, you know, he's going to run into that that Wookiee hiding, you know, and they help him and they realize they also need help and the clones need help. We'll help everybody. It's what we do. Right. Why don't I say something negative about Star Wars animation for a change? Let's have it. Is everyone on board with that? The finale of the show was incredible. That's not the negative thing I'm going to say. I loved the finale of the show. I loved the action of it. I loved the feels. When we're seeing the Empire getting ready to destroy Topoka City on Camino, and we see the cloning facility all empty and everything, and it's very solemn, and I've, and there's like no music playing, which is, I think, very strange for Star Wars to like to have the silence. That makes it powerful all by itself. But then it's just like, and I've spent so much time there. The Clone Wars was on for seven seasons, and I've spent a lot of time with the clones, and I've spent a lot of time on Camino, and it's so solemn and somber to see it like that, and that really hit hard. It was really incredible that they were able to do that. And so it's it's a very good action-y series of events that that lead to the season finale, and also very sad. But there's just some stuff that I don't like that the Bad Batch, not including Crosshair, puts up with at the end when they meet back up with Crosshair. So they meet back up with Crosshair and he betrays the stormtroopers that are his guard. He betrays them for his brothers. And then they all try to escape the Bad Batch, Clone Force 99 plus Omega, try to escape Kamino together. Crosshair's just such a dick to everybody and everyone just kind of takes it. And so one one moment is, and I love Wrecker, and like one moment is that Crosshair says something on your tiny mind, Wrecker, and like nobody defends him, which is very sad. Crosshair and Tech have a conversation just because I understand you doesn't mean I am on the same side as you and stuff like that. But there's one line I want to talk about that we did bring up in our last episode together. We want different things, but that doesn't mean we have to be enemies, which is the last thing that Hunter says to Crosshair before they leave him on Camino. Like you said, kind of ending the last episode the same way that the first episode ends. We had both written this down the last time we talked, and you had said that you thought it would make a great line in a song. Did you put that in your Bad Batch song? I don't think that's that line's in there. <laughs> uh... Now, there's a lot of lines, though, like I said. There's a lot of lines. There's a lot of good lines. I think this is a good line. What you and I had talked about last time was that this, like, it's a good sentiment, but I disagree with it in the context of the show. And I guess I want to get, like, your opinion on this maybe more within the context of the show or within the context of the politics of the show between, like, what the Bad Batch have been doing and going through and what Crosshair has been doing and going through. Because at this point, he's, like, hunted them and killed innocent people and been an all-around horrible, murderous presence in the galaxy. And then to have that line 
We want different things, but that doesn't mean we have to be enemies. After all of that hit me so hard. Because it's just like, it's like, especially with your family and your friends, you should maybe be like, you fucking suck. If you keep this up, we're enemies. <laughs> you shouldn't just be allowed to do whatever you want to do just because we want different things. Just because you want to follow the empire, a xenophobic, horrible, militaristic, oppressive force in the entire galaxy, and I don't want that, we can still be friends. <laughs> yeah, that's just the whole, you know... Darth Vader is also a very evil person, but like we redeem him in the end and Luke sees the best in him. And again, I think that's like what Omega brings to the group is like, let's see the best in people. I am so innocent. I don't even know, you know, evil. And I think that's just part of that is like, they will always be brothers. I mean, they're literally clones of each other. It might even be a stronger bond than you could have with like any normal family. And especially that they're like experimental outcast clones. Like, that's how I read into that. Not as deep as like the political undertones of like, you're literally like an evil fascist douchebag. Yeah. But that you could come along with us and we could disagree, you know, with what's happening in the world, but we could be brothers. You don't have to like be in the army or whatever. Yeah, it's still kind of weird, I guess, that dynamic. But I don't think you're meant to read into it maybe as much <laughs> as that. I don't know. It's not fun to read into. Like you said, when you think about it, you're like, why? Why would they want Crosshair around at all? He really is a bad guy. He's not got a lot of redeeming qualities other than he did sort of save them to get them out of the city. But at the same time, he also set them up. So it's kind of weird. Yeah. At that point, he had just saved Omega. So he's done some good. That's the thing. Like, I mean, okay, so maybe they're trying to set up that he is redeemable, you know? Yeah. And there's like am ambiguity as to whether or not his inhibitor chip is like functioning or not. And he's mm -hmm. like, no, I took mine out a long time ago. I'm evil, pure evil. We don't know though if that's like a, a lie or not. Right. I, I thought that was something they were maybe trying to fool us with. Yeah, it gets a little ambiguous. The whole chip thing is becoming more and more ambiguous to me, actually. In this, in this series, we have clones like Hauser and the other clones on Ryloth who go against the Empire. And in the preview for season two, we see Cody questioning the Empire, whereas like it's getting a lot more ambiguous. I always thought the inhibitor chip was an on-off switch, more or less, in their brains, giving them blind allegiance to the Emperor. And it just doesn't seem to be. They can still go against the Emperor and the Empire, which maybe they'll resolve. I like everything you said. I like that Omega's that I always look for the conscience of the group and I love having right. that like one physical representation of the conscience of the group. And, and I think within Star Wars, we're always going to look for the redemption story. I would argue the same thing with Vader, you know? He's kind of a genocidal maniac and his son is seeing the good in him and we don't really get a redemption. Like people always talk about Vader, Vader's redemption. We It's like... 10 seconds long, but we're always looking for that in Star Wars. Like I've talked about, especially when we were talking about Andor, the redemption stories are kind of a pillar of Star Wars storytelling in the past. So I guess my main problem is just having that line of dialogue. Let us think that there is a chance for them to redeem their brother who maybe feels more different from them. And he's like, choosing the side that he's choosing because he thinks he's different from regular clones and Clone Force 99 and whatever else without having to compromise 
someone like Hunter's like morals. Yeah, he could have said like, hey, when you come to your senses yeah. and uh, you realize that like you're going to get squeezed out too because like they don't really like the clones. You like you realize that, right? They're phasing out the clones. Right, you're right, a clone. Right. Like you're kind of a liability. You'll, you'll always be just a number that, to them is what he right. tells them. And, and he could have said like, when you realize that, you can come back to us. Yeah. But again, like Tech says to him, I understand you, but it doesn't mean I have to agree with you. Mm -hmm. But maybe if you want to understand us, then like maybe we can agree on something and you can come back to the, the family dinner. Yeah, that line from Hunter was just to like, for lack of a better phrase, both sidesy to me. Like you could still love the fascists and we'll still be friends. Don't worry about that kind of thing, which I just don't really, I just didn't like. That's my one like peeve with the show, I'd say. Other than that, I loved it. I skipped that scene. Well, there you go. I do love that scene where they're on the uh, the platform together and you're like, wow, he could go with them. That would have been a more typical ending if he's like, yeah, they just blew up like the city. They're crazy. Forget these guys. You would think that would turn anybody. Like, that's crazy. Why does the Empire blow up these awesome places? Jeddah, Scarif, <laughs> Kamino? These are all wicked, maybe not uh, Jeddah so much, but like, they're pretty crazy. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Pretty crazy, but maybe he thinks he'll be rewarded for staying loyal to the Empire. Yeah, I think they'll come to bite him. He's yeah. going to realize, like you said, he's a number. Yep. Surprise question time. If you could set an animated Star Wars show in any era or with any characters, what would you do? Pitch me your animated Star Wars show. I had to think about it for a second. And again, I went back to like TIE Fighters and X-Wings. Man, I love that. Classic Star Wars. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. But as soon as that faded, dude, we're going to Gunga City. We're going underwater on Naboo. And we have to do a, a Gungan show. Are you kidding? Like, Wow. So you went full facetious. I, I see. Okay. <laughs> but like I mentioned how the cartoons maybe have more leeway to like be funny and campy, mm -hmm. you know? or the animated series. I feel like calling them cartoons maybe is not the fair term. But like, that's Jar Jar, man. That's Boss Nass, man. How like, <laughs> come on. That is so... People don't like the prequels because of that, or at least the Phantom Menace, maybe. Like, the Gungans are pretty silly, but that underwater world is so cool. And they're the Bongo. Like, that's a cool ship, man. All those underwater creatures. There's a whole world there. And for all the hate that the Phantom Menace gets, or Jar Jar even, that's a really interesting world. Like, we could have a whole underwater world, man. Are you kidding? How do they build that thing? Why do they have crazy technology? That's insane. That would be a really fun show. You could get uh, Ahmed Best back for that. How cool would that be if he, like, reprised his role as Jar Jar. Come mm. on, man. Let's make it happen, man. Would you watch it? Are, are you kidding? That's okay. the, I, I'm executive producing it. <laughs> I'm bankrolling it <laughs> from my Star Wars parody song, Royalties. <laughs> I really think you should watch The Clone Wars. And when you get to some of the episodes, just remember that it is... You have been recorded saying that you would watch this particular show that you're pitching. 
I'm not all right, so I don't I can't compare it to what's already out there, but I'm just thinking like the Bad Batch cinematography where it's epic and yeah. this era of Star Wars where we seem to be getting to the more like mature side of things or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But still that cartoons can be kind of silly. And like we were saying last episode, it's like there's all these avenues we can go down. Why not go down the like, you know, Mr. Bombad crashing the boss's hay blimber? Like, <laughs> let's do it, man. Also, I have extreme nostalgia for the Phantom Menace and uh, the Gungan Frontier PC game mm. where you literally cultivated like a moon with a Gungan ecosystem. I forget exactly what the plot of that game was, but it was like Sim Gungans, basically. That sounds dope. So uh, that's what I see there. But all right, I'll keep that in mind that maybe careful what you wish for. Sure. I don't think so. I like those episodes of The Clone Wars. I'm just saying, I think you should watch it and remember that you said that you would watch this other thing. When you see Jar Jar and Mace Windu's buddy cop adventure episodes in The Clone Wars, just remember <laughs> what you want. See, but I, I don't want to see Jar Jar in, in The Republic. I want to see yeah, Jar Jar like swimming around, doing cannonballs. How did he get kicked out, right? Because he was banished, right? Mm-hmm. That's the story. That's the story. Mm. You're welcome, Lucasfilm. <laughs> Call us Disney. Okay. All right. What is your... Come on, Joey. This is like carte blanche here, man. You're the animated guy. I... What's the era? I really want... I mean, there's a lot I want to see, and I'm not... You know, I love animation. I'm going to stick in the same vein as you, but I'm going to make it a, a very serious show. I would love to see a show... Maybe I've talked about it on the podcast before, about Naboo and the civil war that led to the Gungans going underwater. I would love mm. for that story to be told. I would love to see, like, maybe some Plagueis element to it. You know, the novel, the Plagueis novel is no longer canon, so there's a little bit of, like, free reign there. We don't know how long. And Palpatine's the senator and for Naboo Palpatine's at that time, right? from Naboo, yeah. so it would be really cool to see Plagueis... We we don't know how long Plagueis was watching for Palpatine. And Palpatine, I don't know what the canon is anymore, but I know that legendarily Palpatine was older. So it would be really cool to see Sith influences on the Civil War, on Naboo, to set it up, to make sure that Palpatine became the senator and put all of that in motion. Because we're so caught up within the Skywalker saga of everything being Palpatine's grand plan, but how did it start? And I think it would be really cool to see it start with the Civil War setting up everything to make sure that Palpatine became the senator. Super awesome to see that in animation, I think, especially with like, like you're saying animation gives them the freedom to, to be fun and and silly and do stuff that they can't otherwise do. And I think the same is true on the other extreme where it gives you the freedom to be as dark as you want and with as much like animated fury as you can conjure. You know, you can Mm. make, you can literally make whatever you want. So I would really love to see all of that in a show. Yours and mine could probably not air at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But yours might be like the fun, funny sequel. I don't know. But it's a story that I've wanted to see for a very long time. And I would love, I mean, I think it I think it would work really well in live action or animation. I think, you know, you have a lot more freedom to do a lot more out there stuff in animation. So yeah, I'd love to see that. 
Nice. Yeah, I like that. In general, that prequel era, they explored it a little in Tales of the Jedi. Like, there's still more there, you Mm -hmm. know? I like that. I'm fine with either. I feel like in my vision in my head, I saw like bright colors, the like purples and blues and the golds. Uh, Yours seems a little bit, like you said, more serious, but that's okay. Star (laughs) Wars can be all of these things. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? I forget what it's called. The like Star Wars daycare thing. Every now on Disney XD that pops up and they're like little shorts where like Grogu is in daycare, Uh, you know? No, but I have seen the... uh galactic pets or whatever galactic pals whatever it's called where they're where that uh droid goes to different planets and meets that might, maybe that's animals. the same thing i, I don't know i i forget what that is but anyway it can be all of these things right yes so with that said crazy listeners you what are your ambitions if you're going to executive produce a star wars animated series in any part of the timeline focusing on any characters that's a pretty tall order. I, mm. If you're at Lucasfilm and you give one person that idea, you know, it's like, you'll never know what you're going to get. Yeah. That's a pretty wide palette to choose from. I want 1,000 words on my desk by Monday. <laughs> Pitch it. Yeah, I hope I wouldn't get fired for pitching the Otha Gunga <laughs> story. We want to hear from you listeners. Please take a moment to quote tweet us and uh, <laughs> add in your Star Wars animated series. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Hive, or wherever you're listening, leave us a review and some stars. We would love to hear from you and get some feedback on the show. You can always pew, pew, pew us an email, krypton2alderon at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the show today. I've been Royce. I've been Joey. And we've been Krypton, Krypton 2. Alderaan. Classic. Oh, Alderaan and Naboo. Sister planets, if you really think about it. Mm. Mm. At least Naboo doesn't get blown up. Yeah, that we know of. Also, maybe should have just been Alderaan. (laughs) Bye.